Hi, my name's Grant Fishbook, and I am honored to be the lead teaching pastor here at Christ the King Church in Bellingham, Washington. Thank you so much for choosing to access this online content today. We really hope you'll enjoy this message. One of our values here at Christ the King is biblical face-to-face -face community. And so while we are so excited that you joined us today online, I really want to encourage you. Make sure that this is never a replacement for face-to-face -face biblical community. Your story matters, you matter, and we want to see you get connected in a local church. Now, if you're here in our area, we would love to have you join us at any one of our five campuses. But if you find yourself outside of the Bellingham area, we really want you to get connected into a local church. So we hope and pray that that happens for you very, very soon. everybody I hear it's Christmas at least somebody said something about that if I haven't met you before my name is Grant one of the teaching pastors here the people of Christ the King are in shock because they've never seen me in a suit jacket next year I'm gonna wear a tie and freak you out completely so Paul Denton was a petty identity thief. He started preying on senior citizens, doing normal things like going after their computer access, their paper bank statements, their large retirement funds. And then he graduated to a different kind of identity theft. He started scanning and scamming random people in shopping malls. His words, he said, if I could get within 12 feet of a mark with my scanner, their identity belonged to me. And then one day with one scan, everything changed for Paul Denton. He picked the wrong target. The identity he stole belonged to a member of an identity theft law enforcement task force. And because they had his identity without him knowing it, they flipped the tables on him. Paul tried to use his credit cards. They would work and then they wouldn't work. Random withdrawals started happening at his bank. Overdue notices on bills that he'd paid started piling up on his kitchen table. He tried to rent a car. His license was suspended. He was summoned to a bank to talk about the fact that he had $4.3 million in his savings account account, only to arrive at the bank and be confronted by the bank manager to address his minus $237,843.12 balance. His life went so sideways because someone got a hold of his identity that he turned himself in, walked into a sheriff's department, handed over all of his gear and said, I'm guilty, pled guilty to all of the charges against him, and it all started because he just picked the wrong person to target. All the way back in the Garden of Eden, Satan has been stealing identities. He's been trying to convince everyone in this room and everyone in history that you are defined by your worst moment, that the worst moment in your past is what actually makes up all of you. He wants you to believe that you are a hopeless sinner, that your worst moment defines you, and that your entire identity is wrapped up in your failures. And the truth is, every single human being in this room has fallen victim to that type of identity theft at some level. Someone asks the question, who are you? How do we answer? 
We start with the good stuff, right? The resume of success, the power of positive self-image, the fraud of our Instagram feed. Just for the record, no one actually believes that's your real life, just so you know. It starts off so good, and then we get real. And out, but slowly but surely, out comes the pain and the wounds and the failures and the disappointments and the despair. And if the message stopped right there, this would be the most depressing Easter you've ever been to. But it doesn't stop there. Because there was a moment 2,000 years ago when the devil himself, the greatest identity thief in human history, he picked the wrong target. The Bible says, for God so loved the world, he sent his one and only son that whoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. God sent Jesus to take back the spiritual identity of his children once and for all. If you don't know the backstory, let me catch you up. Jesus came, Jesus lived, and then Jesus died. And what happened on Good Friday was amazing because the devil actually thought he won. He thought he was victorious. When the body went in the ground, he thought, that is it. He thought that our identity, my identity, your identity was twisted and gone forever. But Satan picked the wrong target. What he didn't know on that Easter morning was that light's more powerful than darkness. The grace of Jesus is greater than my worst moment. The power of life is greater than the grave. And the identity of Jesus is greater than the devil's ability to steal, kill, and destroy. Listen to the moment when it all changed. The Bible says on the first day of the week. Very early in the morning, the women took spices that they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. Well, they were wondering about this. Suddenly, two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee. The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. So much had happened leading up to this moment. Jesus has been out leading and teaching and loving and healing. He's been challenging religion and trying to convince people it's not about rules. It's about relationship. Jesus has been betrayed by one of his closest friends. And the reality is we've all betrayed him. I know I have. Jesus had been revealing our true identity as dearly loved children of God. He's been purposefully heading towards the cross his entire life to save you and me from an enemy that just so desperately wants us to believe that we are the worst of us. Jesus is falsely accused, arrested, sentenced to death by crucifixion, and it's actually in a conversation that Jesus has with a criminal on the cross that we see the very first evidences of the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Here's what the Bible says. Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals, one on his right, one on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. I mean, think about it. The son of God who lived a perfect life is hanging with criminals. You know what I love? That was not new. Jesus hung out with the wrecked far more than he ever hung out with the religious. 
His famous words were, isn't the sick, isn't it the sick people who need a doctor? And Jesus in that moment shows us he's willing to get his hands dirty with our messy lives. I can't talk for anybody else in the room, but Jesus' hands were stained when he started digging in my dirt. Because there was a lot to go through. And with the weight of our worst moments on his sinless soul, God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. And Jesus appeals to a righteous God to forgive the worst of us and the worst in us. And the unthinkable happens. God forgives. He forgives. The Bible continues. The people stood watching and the rulers even sneered at him and they said he saved others. Let him save himself if he's God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, if you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. And make no mistake, he could have. In that moment, if Jesus wanted to, he could have called the army of heaven down to stop everything and call an end to it. But Jesus didn't. You know why? Because Jesus knew unless the debt of sin was paid in full and paid in blood, there was no mercy and no peace and no hope. So as the created mocks the creator, Jesus sacrifices once and for all. Becomes our sacrifice, takes on the worst of us. So the truth is, all of us today, whether we want to admit it or not, we owe him. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe, sin had left, a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow. The Bible continues, there was a written notice above him which read, this is the king of the Jews. That's true, he's also our king too. History reveals it. That's why people for centuries have been trying to discredit and disregard Jesus. I mean, if he's not who he said he was, why are so many people trying so hard to discredit him? People have tried to morph him into a good moral teacher. I'm going to tell you something. I've studied this my whole life. You look at the claims of Jesus, you've got one of three choices. He's a liar, he's a lunatic, or he's the Lord of heaven himself. And you get to choose which category you're going to put him in. Listen to the choice of two broken men who are actually dying with Jesus. The Bible says one of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God? He said, since you're under the same sentence, we're punished justly. We're getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Man appeals. One mocks, the other appeals. One has the courage to say, I deserve this, you don't. One has the, has the courage to say, I made my own choices. But then he also has the humility to say, Jesus, help me, save me. I know I don't deserve grace. I did this to myself. But if there's any mercy, if there's any grace, if there's any hope at all, remember me. And Jesus says, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. I got two words for you. Jesus saves. <laughs> Jesus saves. Jesus did that for me 33 years ago. 18-year-old kid, complete mess. 
The worst of me is on full display because I had been exposed for the liar that I was. And I cried out to Jesus and he gave me a new identity. I know it doesn't look like it today, but you need to know something. The truth about me is I was a complete and total wreck of a human being. But there's a greater truth about me. There's a greater truth about me. I don't look like it, but I'm an adopted son of the God of heaven. I'm a co-heir with Jesus. Everything my heavenly father owns, he actually gives to me. I was a sinner, dead in my sin, slave to my own choices, released into my own consequences. I was and will continue to struggle. But 2,000 years ago, everything changed for me because the devil picked the wrong target. He picked the wrong one. The light of the world was greater than the prince of darkness. There's a greater truth about me. I'm a saved son of God, alive in Christ, been set free, and who the son sets free is free indeed. Someone better say amen to that. I mean, I'm now released into a new relationship where I'm not the worst of me. I am who God says that I am, and I may struggle, but I don't struggle alone. This is the joy of Easter. This is why millions of fools around the world today will celebrate the belief that a dead man can come back to life. This is why we sing loudly on Easter. It's because Satan lost, Jesus won, the tomb is empty, and today you can be full, full of hope, full of grace, full of peace, and full of mercy. You can have that. I'm going to stop talking or else I'm going to just explode. (laughs) Every year, we sit in a room before Easter and we go, so does anybody have a story? And this year, we didn't even have to look. (laughs) We didn't have to look hard. They were everywhere. The work that God is doing in people's lives. So I want to show you some stories. The band's going to come back. They're going to join me because they're going to sing us through the stories. I want to show you some real stories of people. They lost their identity. They lost their way. They were walking on a fast track in the wrong direction. And the devil had them exactly where he wanted them. But Jesus showed up in their life at their worst moment, stared the devil in the face and said, not today. Not today. You can't have them anymore. They're mine. It's true. They made their decisions, but this is not about what they've done or not done. This is about what I did on the cross for them. And now they have cried out to me and I can hear them. So these are some real stories. Can I tell you something ahead of time? It takes a lot of courage to do what these people have done. If you don't think it's a big deal, I'd love to put your story on the screen next Easter. It takes a lot of courage to put your hand up and say, I was going the wrong direction, but Jesus saved me. So today, we celebrate their new life and their courage. We celebrate the fact that in their worst moment, Jesus stepped in and said, devil, not today. Living a life full of sin and worshiping uh, drugs and alcohol and sex, Uh, It's kind of hard to just stop that on a dime. There was a point in my marriage that uh, a revelation had happened for my wife that I had a problem. Sex outside of the covenant of marriage happened. It, It ruins it for the marriage. It was over. There is not going to be a wife or a life, children, 
the Lord had something different for me. Uh, and he put a series of people in my life that changed me. And that individual is a pastor, and he preached the message on propitiation. And from that point on, um, I couldn't explain what happened, but all of a sudden, there was a desire to read scripture and get to know who Jesus was. Um, of course, right in the middle of just about ruining a marriage, here I was pulling out the Jesus flag. I, I'm, I'm saved, I, I love Jesus, uh, can you forgive me? When you have Christ in your heart and in your life, anything can happen. Healing, the resurrection of a marriage that, was to that I totally killed, I mean, I ripped my wife's heart out, kicked it down the road. For Christ to put that back in her and for us to stay married and to keep going, wow, I, that's amazing. I, I continue to pray that every day for the rest of my life, I continue to point anyone and everyone that I have an opportunity to talk with to get to know who Jesus is get to know who Jesus is. So about a year and a half ago, I was in a pretty dry season of my life. I started partying a lot um, to get away from what was going on at school and what was going on at home. I stopped talking to my family. Um, I'd sneak out on school nights and not go to school the next day. I kind of realized it at um, a church event for my youth group. We had a go camp and I kind of just broke down after um, like seven months of just partying straight. Just being in the presence of all the other high schoolers that weren't worried about what all of their friends thought. They were just worried about like pursuing God and worshiping Him for everything that He does in their life. I decided that I needed to get back on the right track that I knew I was supposed to be on for God's plan for me. I got involved in CTK Ministries and then I kinda found who I was again. I started helping with just putting everything on, helping with the small groups, um, and that turned into me and Courtney being co-leaders of the seventh grade girls. So by coming back to church and just keep on focusing on Him and reading my Bible and praying, I've just kind of leaned into that and knowing that understanding of God will be there through all of the circumstances regardless. The truths that I understand now that God continues to tell me as I go through life is that He has a plan for me and that I'm loved and that so many people care for me meeting Chandler and Courtney and all the other leaders at Transit, it's just brought in me such a great community that just shows me that I'm valued because God made me that way and God will see me through everything. Around 2013, I started uh, uh, having a lot of financial difficulty and I had had uh, you know, a very good life in that way in business and been successful. All of a sudden, my marriage to the woman of my dreams and, and of course her man of her dreams started to crumble. The more I drank, the worse the marriage got and eventually caused my wife to, to briefly leave. In 2014, 
uh, we had gotten back together and, and, and we were doing well. And she was diagnosed with secondary breast cancer, which in most times is, is fatal. Now I'm not just gonna lose this person for a short time, I'm gonna lose her forever. And I did the unforgivable and, and I just disappeared. And I disappeared for probably a month. I was in sense homeless. I begged Christ, not for my wife back. I begged Christ for, for him, for him to allow me to be, be become one of his. And I felt like he was standing right next to me and I could grab him, hold on to his legs. And that was the first time he saved my life. I came back and, and expecting family, friends, and for sure my wife to basically reject me. But they gave me forgiveness and grace and love. And so I got to taste God's, the ultimate grace from Jesus through my family and through my wife. I got to taste that grace and I, I didn't deserve any of it. And I didn't deserve it from Christ either, but he gave it to me. My wife and I had a, had a glorious reunion. The problem is the cancer didn't go away. In the summer of 2015, in the morning at 7.57, I crawled in bed with her and held her, and took her last breath into me. And uh, she was gone. Right before she died, she said she was so proud of me and that she could die in peace because not only was I the man that she married, but she knew that I was the man that God had made for her. Just under a week after we had laid her to rest, I was playing racquetball and I went down with a massive heart attack and I was dead. There was little to no hope. And if I lived because I had no brain activity, I surely would have brain damage. And about 11 hours later, after I got to the hospital, the surgeon walked in and the door flew open. And he said, he just woke up, he's alive. That just a glimmer of hope is really all you need. Jesus came and, uh, and lifted me out of the pit. And I'm so grateful for that. Derek's going the wrong way. He knows it. His family knows it. And it took a radical God to step in front of him and say, because of who I say you are, you can tell the devil, not today. Amen. Kaylee's going the wrong direction. It took a radical God to step in front of her and say, Oh, my sweet daughter, not today. I was at the hospital when Monty woke up. That was a shock because we thought Monty was gone. But the Jesus who keeps interrupting funerals <laughs> showed up in a waiting room and said, 
Not today. Not today. And I know so many of us just think, but Granny, you don't know how far gone I am. You don't know how far gone I was. The Bible says in Romans 10, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it's with your heart you believe and are justified. It's with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. And that's what the enemy's doing right now. He wants you to believe that you're the worst of you, not the best of you. And right now he's saying, Amazing grace is for everybody else in the room. It's not big enough for you. Can I remind you of something? The Jesus I know has conversations with criminals on crosses. Amen. Some of you are thinking, this has got to be too good to be true. I get it. The Bible actually knows that some of us are going to think that. That's why it says in 1 Corinthians 1, the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But for those who are being saved, those of us who are being saved, it's the power of God. So I get it because I've been there. Right now, there's a voice in your head saying, this is stupid. This is just hype. It's all emotion. You can't just ask for your sins to be forgiven and have your record expunged. He's saying, I know what you did. I was there. I know how bad you really are. I know your true identity for the love of God. Listen to Jesus right now as he says, not today. It's Easter. Death thought he won. He lost. Not today. Listen to the truth. 1 Corinthians 5. If anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Jesus and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. And I love these last words, not counting people's sins against them. Some of you are thinking, I need a new life. I need to start all over again. I need a new identity. And I'm telling you, it can happen today. Because of anything you've done, but because of everything that Jesus has done, there's hope, there's truth, there's forgiveness, there's a new story being written. And I want to give you the opportunity on this Easter to give your heart to Jesus. 33 years ago, I was the only kid who walked the aisle at Faith Fellowship Baptist Church. But you know what? Jesus met me there. (laughs) Sent me in a different direction. And I would be so honored to stand with Jesus today and hold the door open for those of you who just saw the story of Derek and Kaylee and Monty and said, there's just something missing in my life. I want that peace. I want that hope. I want that promise of eternity. I want you to see, feel, and experience the power of God to forgive you today. So we're going to pray. I don't know what else to do. We're going to pray. And if in your heart today you feel 
God is calling you out of darkness into light, into a new life in Jesus. I'm going to ask you to pray with me. Deep in the bottom of your soul, believe me, God can hear you. So would you pray with me? Every head bowed and every eye closed. And if today is the day when you let the devil know, not today, I'm going to invite you to pray this with me right now. Jesus, I accept the truth that you love me. You know, I haven't lived a perfect life. I made some bad decisions. And right now I acknowledge I cannot save myself. I've tried. I believe that you, Jesus, alone can save me. I admit I need your help. Jesus, please forgive me for the way that I for the way that I've hurt you by living my life my way. For the way that I've hurt others. And God, would you please show me how to forgive those who've hurt me? I ask your power right now, God, teach me how to turn away from things I know are wrong. God, I thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for me so I could be forgiven and set free. I thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit. And right now, I accept that gift. Come into my life right now by your Holy Spirit. Be my Lord my savior, my leader, and my king. For the rest of my life, I give myself to you in Jesus' name. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I would never do anything to embarrass you, but I'd love to pray for you. If you prayed that prayer today, you gave your heart to Jesus on this Easter morning right now, would you just slip your hand up in the air? Just stick it straight up in the air. Hold it up high. God bless you. God bless you and you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you all across the back. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. I can see you. God bless you over here in the corner. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you way over here. God, thank you. You're still standing up for us. That you're still saying you're not what you did. You are who I say you are. And today you are forgiven and set free. So God, I pray for everyone who's raised their hand today. May they know. May they know that Jesus has saved them. And a whole new life is waiting. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we're not done yet. I remember that day, 33 years ago, Pastor Bob Dunlop asked if anyone wanted to give their heart to Jesus, and a screwed up kid stuck his hand in the air. And I was horrified when Pastor Bob said, that's your first step. Now I'm going to ask you to do something just crazy, stupid, courageous. He said, this is what I want you to know. Jesus was not embarrassed of you, so you can't be embarrassed of him. And he said, if you raised your hand, and there was only one of me, 
<laughs> I want you to step out and come down here to the front because I want to talk to you. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to summon all of the courage that it took to do this. And I'm going to invite you to be courageous. I'm going to remind you, Jesus is not ashamed of you. Don't be ashamed of the fact that you invited him to save you today. I'm going to invite you to step out of your seat and come down here to the front and shake my hand because I'd like to be the first person to welcome you to the crazy dysfunctional family of Jesus. <laughs> and I, I already know, I know how it works. I've been doing this a long time. Devil's saying, are you kidding me? What are people going to think? Oh, okay, we're not even going to wait. You're going to walk right over that way, okay? Awesome, someone's waiting for you. Okay, here's what we're going to do. I need everybody to stand up. Can you stand up with me? Apparently, we're not going to wait. If you prayed that prayer and raised your hand, just start walking right now. Just come down this direction. You just come right here. Come right here. And then we're going to go right up that door, right up that door. Come on right here, brother. Come right up here, my brother. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Thanks again for watching. We're so glad that you joined us today. Once again, we hope you'll get involved in biblical face-to-face -face community wherever you happen to be today. If you'd like more information about Christ the King Community Church, if you'd like to give online, or if you'd like to submit a prayer request, or even get connected in a small group, you can find out more about us at ctk.church.